Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Loga the Barbarian. And I've got a guest with me today, Marco, who is one half of Spicy Tuna. Welcome, Marco. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So what's Spicy Tuna? So Spicy Tuna is uh, the name we chose for our publishing house in progress, I guess mm-hmm. is what you'd say. That works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Working on it. I mean, I'm very excited to be creating in this space. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason why we wanted to just choose something right away is because every story we create is planned to be interconnected. You have something that's crowdfunding right now. And what's that crowdfunding on? So we're crowdfunding on Kickstarter. And it's called Knights of Lazarus. And it is for mothership yeah yeah mothership <laughs> i mean i've been a sci-fi guy for a really long time um like most people i started in the space in 5e fantasy but uh you know like sci-fi is like what i read or what i listen to and so i'm really excited to be creating for mothership yeah knights of lazarus is kind of like the flagship title and then we have a series of we call them spicy tuna rolls which are, uh, <laughs> we, we release uh, like 10 to 16 free pages of content every month. And um, just part of our ethos of wanting people to enjoy what we're writing, have access to what we're writing. And then those um, get compiled into volumes as well with some extra stuff for the print version that's for sale. And so Knights of Lazarus is the kind of the flagship title. And then the, the secondary world world building toolkit title is called Familiar Faces. Uh, so you got a whole world building toolkit for Mothership? Yeah, we're calling world building t- toolkit. So Familiar Faces is actually what I'm most excited to talk about because <laughs> I talked about the least, but it's six NPCs with necessary professions for the future. So in these worlds that we play in, a lot of times, you know, we're surviving first and foremost. Uh, we're out doing missions or jobs where they usually are. And it's for the whole world of function, there has to be people doing certain things. Like there needs to be people who clear space debris. There needs to be people who restore xenotech. You know, there needs to be like, otherwise this world wouldn't really exist, you know? Uh, oh yeah. Doing those things. Yeah. I, I mean, the title of the, of our podcast is Wobblies and Wizards. Yeah. So we got a bunch of Wobblies over here. So we definitely respect those working class folk. That's, that's what makes the world go around. Those are the real right. Books, <laughs> 100%. 100%. So uh, familiar faces with, they all live. On, so there's the planet Julep 4, which is an agricultural planet, and then two of its satellites. Its natural satellite is its moon, Atlas Rho, and that is a home for basically people in protective services, so people who restart their lives. And then uh, the other satellite is a commercial satellite called Gilgamesh Red. And so they exist in certain areas, but they're very easy to just kind of plop out. Okay. You want to put this in your world, put it in your world. If you want to put, you know, introduce this person, introduce this person. And so there it's very modular and, and how you apply it. I like that kind of stuff. It's useful for game. It, it just is. I, a lot of times I'll pick up zines or books and you get a massive book. It's like, sometimes it's like, yeah, all this stuff, you going to play through it all. Or am I just going to use a thing or two that I need for what I'm doing now? That's kind of where I go with most of my stuff. Whatever we're doing now, I'm going to more likely to bring something into my game 
if it's just like elements that can work with it. So I like that. I appreciate that. And I, I like Mothership. I ran it a few times this year already. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I love the I love how they're pushing it with one E to be more volatile. I mean, you know, you're even more likely to die. I just I love that type of adventuring where you have to make intelligent decisions. You're rewarded for clever play. And sometimes you just have to run away. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's your turn. What do you do? I drop my gun and I run as fast as I can. (laughs) (laughs) I I preach this all the time. And I've said this a million times in this show. I like a deadly game, not because I want to play characters or because I want to die, but because combat's one of the least interesting things to me about game. It can be fun sometimes if it's done quick and occasionally, but if you know that stuff can kill you, you got to think of another way around it. If it's run, it might be run, but I, I like when people get creative and, and approach these problems. Like I said, if you just need the gold for your experience and you're trying to get it from the dragon, you might not want to take on the dragon, but come up with a, a clever plot that's fun. Start scheming, pull off a heist instead of taking <laughs> him on directly. You know, I like that kind of stuff in my game. I do too. I love it with that idea in mind of deadliness. And really, uh, it started before I even, before one he came out. I watched Ben Milton a lot. I'm really inspired by him. And I listened to Chris McDowell a lot from Into the Odd and I'm really inspired by his games. And so, you know, with this with this idea in mind, that's that's exactly what it is. Generally, the players are going to be hosting or planning a heist in Knights of Lazarus. The the encounters that they get into, every every enemy specialized, and they basically need to decide. Okay, I'm running into these people. They don't want me here. That doesn't mean they're necessarily going to attack me because the Knights of Lazarus respect people who attempt this. Uh, they want like they are stealing Xenotech artifacts from other people so like hey these might be like people we might recruit so they need to actually like negotiate a lot um if they run into the automated enemies they are like extremely deadly but they're slow and so what they need to discover where their stations are so that they can work around them or discover their weaknesses to get by them and so it's all yeah it's all completely tied to like puzzle and discovery more than rack time, throw a bunch of grenades and get all the way through. <laughs> yeah, and that's like people do say the role play R-O-L-E versus the role play R-O-L-L. I prefer the role play where you're playing that role and you're trying to get in and you're trying to come up with clever things. When my gaming group is sitting there scheming and I'm sitting here DMing and haven't said but two words in the last hour because they're busy working it out themselves, that's a good game for me. I'm happy when I get to take a passive seat and I've seen that seed I've sown and those players are, are really getting into it. And they're asking me, well, what about this? I was like, okay, yeah, we'll try that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I find myself a little too lenient as a, a as a GM or warden or DM and, you know, cause I'm just like, hell yeah, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. And like, I do love combat too. I agree. It's like, it's slower. It's sometimes not, but when you get that crit and you're just like, yes, yeah, you know, there's like <laughs> moments for like, boom. So it's all great, but I'm inspired more by, you got to figure it out. Like the combat is a puzzle that isn't necessarily solved through firing at each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so yeah, I mean, that's, that's really, I think at the core of it, that's what, that's why I really just started to write Knights of Lazarus is just to like, Hey, I want to take, I want to, I want to go at this. I want to see if I can make a dungeon that is negotiation based and puzzle based. And yeah, I'm pretty happy. So. That's good. I love those kinds. I love those kinds of dungeons. I love that kind of play. 
one of my secrets is when I'm playing a role playing game or DMing one with my group, I'll throw stuff out there that's insurmountable, impossible to beat. Just will. And I don't have an answer to it. Right. But I'm very open and curious to see what they do. And if they come up with something like like one of them recently was they were they had pipes above the vampires and running water would hurt the vampires. And mechanically and realistically, that wouldn't work in the game. <laughs> but because they thought to shoot the pipes and bust them open to rain on the vampires, like, you know what? This is creative enough. Yes, I'm going to make sure this ha- like, OK, I don't care what I rolled behind that screen there that day. They were going to be successful. in this. Right. It was. I liked the plan. It was like, this will be six. Yeah, I gave them there were there were combat encounters through it. But it wasn't just taking it on right away. They were making plans and plotting and, and ambushing and everything else. And I liked it enough that I was like, yeah, this is going to happen. You got to make some of your roles. You could get messed up in the fight, but that's the way to do it because you came up with right. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love it. I, I. So are yeah, you. I think it becomes really interesting. So you said you're a sci fi guy and. I am definitely like my, my first role playing game was, and I've said this a million times was the fossil doctor who role playing game back in the eighties. <laughs> That's how I discovered it. Cause I was That's obsessed awesome. with watching doctor who on PBS as a kid. And I found this at a comic store. <laughs> I was like, I have to have this. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I didn't know what role playing was really. I didn't understand Dungeons and Dragons quite yet. I was like, Oh, and we played it wrong, but I was definitely a huge sci-fi geek growing up. I read a lot of like Asimov and Bradbury and stuff like that. Uh, the Norby Chronicles and Tom Swift and all that stuff back in the 80s. Uh, and in the 90s, I, I followed a lot of that. Uh, I think in the 90s, I started getting away from sci-fi and I started delving into like the beats and other stuff. My readings changed, but I have come back to sci-fi over the years. And one of the, my favorites that I've recently discovered was the Expanse series. I love those books. So my question is, what's the sci-fi you're into? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, well, I am really into Bradbury also. Uh, our first adventure was called Constant Downpour, and it was based on The Long Rain by oh, yes. uh, Ray Bradbury. Yeah, so like, you know, they're like, they're slowly dwindling insanity essentially <laughs> and so it's like it's basically a psychological thriller short campaign and uh and other than that i mean yeah i mean i love bradbury i find a lot of influence in them uh, in him and then philip k dick i read his short stories and then obviously you know do android's dream of electric sheep and then <laughs> my favorite author is probably ted chang i'm not as familiar with him ted chang wrote um the story of or stories of our life um which is Oh, shoot what's that uh, their rival you mm-hmm. know the rival movie where basically these uh aliens come to earth but they're just like hovering in orbit and uh humans are communicating with them and they're trying to discover their language so it's completely language based but they're not trying to give away too much of their own language and so that's like kind of the story of it uh well kind of this there's more <laughs> That's, I think, what he's best known for. He's mostly a short story writer. Um, Exhalation is one of his coll- collected stories and then Story of Our Lives and others. But yeah, I'm just, I I love that stuff. Uh, and then anything LeVar Burton brings up on his podcast, I listen to you, so. I need to listen to that. I've heard positive things about it. I need to check it out. I watched Reading Rainbow all the time when it was a thing. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> It was all about that. 
I love I that ring rainbow. Uh, that was I, I'm gonna have to check out that Ted Chang write that down. Is C H A N G? Is it spelled? Uh, C H I A N G. And for those that don't know, a lot of sci-fi stories can be found for free if you search the name with PDF because they were published in like magazines first that are like free to read online. So yeah, if you want to check it out, I always recommend that. Like check out your artists, uh, especially short story uh, writers. You can find some of their stuff and then, you know, support them afterwards. So yeah, I had uh, used to have, I remember they had those, those magazines in the nineties that I had subscriptions to a science fiction age, I think in fantasy age, I think they were called. And I get them every month. I love short stories. They're my favorite format of fiction. My, one of my right. all-time favorite books from Asimov was I, Robot, because it's just these little short stories, and they were quirky. You know, the little girl falls in love with her robot. It's like their best friend, and you got the robots going crazy, running around, <laughs> like losing their minds and worshiping some kind of machine as a god. I love that kind of stuff. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I do prefer my sci-fi, like older sci-fi, where there was some kind of moral or ethical or philosophical dilemma in there. That's my that's my sweet spot. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think the only contemporary writer, and, and just by pure coincidence that I read is is Ted Chang. But <laughs> I should probably <laughs> diversify. I don't know. Um, but yeah, short stories. I, I just can't get enough of them. And I just like I literally just pick a little bit from from everything. You know, like just like as like I'm writing the Knights of Lazarus is like well, you know what what do they care about? You know what's like what's actually deep about them? You know what. What, you know, and so they have this duality to them where they both are on the forefront. They're known as like purveyors of like ancient medieval philosophies, which exist in parallel thinking civilizations in this world. And uh, and they help people, you know, they help mediate, they help disparate populations. But then what they're really trying to do, they do all these things so they can kind of discover these new xenotech artifacts. And if you don't give it to them, you're a disparate nation that hardly anybody knows about. So you might just disappear, you know? <laughs> so they're like really bad. But then if you're trying to steal from them, it's like, yeah, they don't want that and they'll punish you. But at the same time, they're like, you know what? Actually, like we need more people like you. Like we are a group of like kind of assholes. So like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're into this stuff, you know, maybe you're be a good fit. And so there's all these kind of, there's just kind of this depth to them that it, it, it almost contradictory, but I think really fun in when it's applied to a game is okay so like how are they interacting today or how is this specific one acting and because like there are individuals and organizations so they can act in this way or in this way and you know i kind of pull that from a lot of these prolific writers do that with their characters or the organizations in their stories or just like you know appear one way or, or the other or they do unexpected things so could you tell the listeners where they can find you online and find Knights of Lazarus and your other works? For sure. So uh, I guess most importantly is mentioning the Knights of Lazarus Kickstarter. It's live now through the 17th of February, depending on where you're listening, 2022. And then our social handles are all at Spicy Tuna RPG uh, across the board. So yeah, we'd love to talk uh, and uh, at the Kickstarter, even if you don't back. Uh, one thing that I'm really excited to do is in the updates, we're doing uh, 1D10 random tables together in the comments. And so I'll design those and give it out as free uh, content for everybody who backed. And so if you want to be involved with that stuff, I think that's a lot of fun things and really to the ethos of what like Mothership does. So uh, regardless, we'll love to have you. Anyway, so. As always, you can find us at wobbliesandwizards.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please 
give it a positive review wherever you're listening. And those of you that have, thank you so much. We're on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hillcrom. We have launched a Patreon. Uh, so if you could give us some support, patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.